Let me remind you that Jaime Jaquez is only a freshman. I know. I am just baffled by that comment, but it is true. And the way this guy carries himself in the clutch with the most stoic behavior, seemingly pressure does not measure up to him as he continues to thrive in crunch time. And what a job he done at the end of last night's game, knocking down the top side three to beat the buzzer, lifting the Bruins over Arizona State in front of an overjoyed home crowded Poly Pavilion, a win for UCLA that puts them into a tie for first place in the Pac-12 standings. If I said that was going to happen five weeks ago, you would have made fun of me. But look at where we are now and how much things have changed. Welcome in to Locked On Bruins. I'm Brian Fenley. I'm a national anchor for Fox Sports Radio, a co-host for the Bruin Insider Show, which airs on the radio Tuesdays in Los Angeles from 7 to 8 p.m. Please subscribe to the show. Our numbers have been spiking up in a big way. Thanks to all the winning, McCronin, wink, wink. Thank you to you, and thank you for all of you who are listening to this program. And hey, maybe McCronin, if you're listening, call me. My email, you can always reach out to me, is lockedonbruins at gmail.com. My Twitter handle is at Brian Fenley. So be sure to let me know how you're feeling about this latest win because I was at the game. And I'll tell you what the energy was like in just a moment because it was something surreal with the crowd. As far as what we have on the show for today, yes, we're going to talk about the crowd. Yes, we're going to look back at that final sequence and how the Bruins were able to get the job done, nailing the buzzer beater. Also want to point out all the plot twists in this one because there were times where I was very concerned of our chances of winning. I was very fearful that we would lose and... Let's be honest here. I think that being transparent with you is the best way. And yes, there were some lulls offensively where they were a bit concerning. But the Bruins were able to weather through that. So we'll look at how the Bruins were able to overcome some of those lulls, some of those malaise parts of the game. Also want to look at all of the top players as far as high achievers in this one from Jake Hyman to Tiger Campbell, to Jaime Jaquez, and how they were able to be so successful. And then on the defensive end, what the Bruins did to limit some of Arizona State's star star players. And yes, I'm talking directly to you, Alonzo Verge. So let's start, though, with that final play. And what an atmosphere it was, just witnessing that and all the euphoria that came being at Pauly, seeing Jaime Jaquez drain that three. And usually when you see a guy knock down a shot like that of that magnitude, it's always funny to see how he and his teammates celebrate. Because when it's pure elation and emotion, guys will do funny things, right? When they're feeling a level of joy and happiness that they're not accustomed to. Nor are the Bruin fans accustomed to seeing what took place on the court the last couple of years. But now I think they should start getting used to this kind of thing. But so Jaquez, after the make, after he knows he's won the game for his team, usually the players will, you know, maybe they'll pick him up or honor him in that way, hoist him in the air. No, that is not what happens. What he ends up doing is giving Kenneth Nuba, who is a red shirt on the team, a piggyback ride. Yeah, that makes so much sense to me. But you know what? Like I said, when kids are celebrating, they'll do the the darnest things. And that's exactly what we saw on the court. And I was thinking, 
Well, that's one way that I did not think that they would celebrate. But, hey, we are all happy about the win because that was a play that had been set up in the past. This was something that the guys had talked about that last shot in practice. Basically what happened here, and I know a lot of you who were at the game or listening to this podcast or watched the game on television or listened to it on the radio or followed it online or read recap articles about it, but it was all due to, first of all, after the miss on the other end by Arizona State, what you didn't see is Mick Cronin call a timeout. He wisely did not do that. He said after the game, when he was talking in the post-game press conference, he said, I do not want to give Arizona State time to set up their defense. He said, I was worried that if they got into a zone look, that that would put a strain on us as an offense getting a good look. So he had all the confidence in the world in his own players to figure things out, which they did. It came down to Tiger Campbell setting a ball screen at the top of the key, which allowed Jaime Jaquez to work around, free himself from his defender as his defender had to go underneath the screen, which gave Jaquez some separation, and he calmly knocked down the three and won it for UCLA. A lot of, you talk about just on Mick Cronin's end, the confidence he has in his players not to call a timeout and him believing in his players and getting that, getting it done, humongous, humongous statement by the team. And I'll be honest with you, the atmosphere was like none other. And the, the feeling that even Bobby Hurley, the head coach for Arizona State, had about the environment around the arena was something special. Bobby said after the game that he had not felt this kind of buzz around Poly Pavilion since Lonzo Ball was at UCLA during that year. That is basically the, the turn of events that is taking place here within the program. The apathy that had marred UCLA fan, the fan base is seemingly withering away. The fans are realizing that, you know what? It doesn't uh, benefit us to be indifferent now. Our team is doing well. And Mick Cronin, after the game, even brought up a quote or a reference to the movie Field of Dreams when it goes, well, if, if you build it, they will come. Re- referencing, of course, or referring, I should say, to you build the team, you get the program winning, they, the fans, will show up. And they did in a tremendous way. And... Their, their noise was so loud that there were times in this game where my ears were ringing. And players even mentioned after the game that they couldn't hear each other because it was so loud on the court. But that is the dent that this Bruin fan base made, the impact they made in this contest. This contest. And there were a lot of lulls in this game. I mean, let's start from the beginning. The Bruins got out to a slow start. They had eight turnovers in the first 12 minutes. They had traveling calls on Tiger Campbell and Jalen Hill. Tiger Campbell had a hard time getting his offense going. David Singleton did not have a great game offensively. They tried to feed him a couple threes. None of them went down. And he ended up finishing in this game 0 for 3. He was the starter in this one, but he only played 12 minutes. How about Jaime Jaquez playing all but 45 seconds in this game? If that doesn't tell you the confidence level Mick Cronin has in his star freshman, I don't know what will. And he was needed for every single one 
of those minutes. Coming up next, when the Bruins' offense got stale, who was able to step up on top of Hawkes to help this team get the win? When this offense for the Bruins needed a jolt last night in the first half, they had a lead, they had squandered it, Arizona State started making some shots, the Bruins were having some trouble with that 2-3 zone, they were also seemingly seemingly out of their comfort zone when trying to bring it up with that full court press that Arizona State was showing, so their offense, the Bruins, was out of its own rhythm, and UCLA was was trailing and it was a lifeless mood in the building at Pauley Pavilion and that's when Jake Kyman raised his hand and said coach I got this give me the rock and watch what I can do and that is exactly what he did he worked off double screens he came off out of bounds plays and, and found openings from the corner from the wing mid-range, off the dribble. He made everything seemingly, finishing with 21 points in this game, making five threes, and the Bruins were able to ignite past Arizona State after they had found themselves in one of these lulls, these droughts, because the paint was occupied by Arizona State, and even though they were a smaller team, their defensive look prevented UCLA from getting some deep post touches. And so they had to rely on threes or, or outside shots, and Jake Kyman started making them. And then Arizona State had to adjust, get back to playing a little bit more tight on the perimeter defense. And what that did is they moved into the second half. Then Cody Riley got fed the ball deep inside. He started to get his offense going, which is exactly what UCLA wants to do. First and foremost, get the bigs going. And from there on, Jalen Hill worked his magic inside, even getting an alley-oop from Tiger Campbell, who finished with 14 assists. 14 of his team's 16 assists. I mean, how much credit do you want to put on Tiger Campbell for this win? you got to put a whole lot as well. Jalen Hill was super productive in this game. Six of seven from the field, 13 points. The Bruins had five players scoring double figures. Hawkes had 13, Campbell had 10, Cody Riley had 11, and then, of course, Jake Kyman had 21. So after Jalen Hill gets, gets his offense rolling, the Bruins go up by nine, and it's 55-46, and the UCLA fan base at Poly Pavilion is satisfied and feeling pretty comfortable with the lead at hand. But they wouldn't feel that way for much longer because Arizona State would call a timeout, and then what Arizona State did against us the first time we played them, that reemerged in this game. Making threes, pushing the ball in transition. Those two things were detrimental to us, and Arizona State went on a 12-3 run. They tied the game up at 58, and now the crowd is getting restless, and they're figuring what is going on now because we had this game seemingly in our hands, and now where is this Arizona State run coming from? Then you had Alonzo Verge, who was basically a non-factor for most of the game, 
because of the foul trouble and the way the defense was able to approach him. He made a basket. Arizona State takes the lead, 60-58. to Then the Bruins turn the ball over. David Singleton loses the handle, and the fast break points are becoming a problem. Then guess who steps up? Jaime Jaquez. He makes a big three. Then that seemingly inspires Tiger Campbell to get his offense involved. He makes a runner in the lane. The Bruins go back up by four. Remy Martin, though, this guy got hot late. He had a couple key critical threes that kept his squad in it. So did Rob Edwards, who it did not matter if you put a hand in his face. You had him totally blanketed. He still made the three. He was spectacular, and he will be a footnote in this game because of his team losing and all of that. But it was a treat as a college basketball fan just to watch how efficient he was from three-point range. It was like back and forth. Edwards to Kyman, they were sharing and one three from one team and then back to a, a Kyman three. It was a lot of fun from that respect. And then Tiger Campbell got fouled, and basically Arizona State had picked up their seventh foul with, I think, about seven minutes. So the Bruins were basically going to be on the foul line the rest of the game. And I've always been a little bit worried about Tiger Campbell from the free throw line because he seems to miss quite a few at times when the game is on the line. And he made one of two to make what was the score 70-69 to 69 Arizona State. Then Arizona State gets called for, I think it was a moving screen. Romella White, their big post presence, gets called. That would be his fifth foul. He is done. Verge would also foul out. But when White fouled out, Mick Cronin astutely decided we're going to go back to going in the paint. Because if White's not in the middle, he is their imposing bruising force in the paint if he's out then we've got to reestablish our guys and get that offense in the lane and that is exactly what they did they went right to Cody Riley he goes up he gets hacked because there's nothing Arizona State can do about it and then Cody Riley makes both free throws UCLA then takes the lead then Verge before he fouls out he draws contact in the act of shooting he makes his free throws and Campbell then goes back to the line Makes one of two. Well, he made this first one. 72-all was the score. And then the Bruins get called for a, line, a lane violation. So they had a chance to take the lead right there, 73-72. to 72. And now you have your head in your hands and you're saying, you had a chance to take the lead and now you're giving Arizona State the ball and there was like 40-so seconds left in the game. So, yes, the Sun Devils have the ball. It's an all-tie score. They work the clock down. They, they try to be patient, try to find the best shot. It's not a good one. It's Remy Martin chucking up a long one. The ball barely raises the iron, and UCLA gets the rebound. And as we have talked about before, no timeout called by Mick Cronin. The Bruins went quickly up the floor, and this time they got the job done with a Jaime Hawkes 3. Now, this is trademark Mick Cronin. You remember... There were games earlier this year where it came down to the wire and you had Mick Cronin decide, you know what, I'm not going to stop the game because I think that's going to benefit the defense if I do that and call a timeout. He did that against Washington State. In Pullman, it did not work out. Chris Smith had a chance 
and he fumbled the basketball, and they, the Bruins did not get off a clean shot. The ball, or the game ended up going into overtime. But that, that early portion of the Pac-12 slate seems like eons and, and centuries ago compared to how this team is doing now. But that is what Mick Cronin likes. He likes to put the defense on its heels and not give them a chance to figure out, all right, how are we supposed to scheme against what the offense is doing? All right, coming up, some more thoughts on this game and some other quotes that came out of the team after the win. When I proposed my three keys to the game yesterday on the podcast, one was you got to hold Arizona State to under 15 fast break points. The Bruins did that. They held them to 10. Then there was the second part, which was can you limit Arizona State to eight threes or less the Bruins did not meet those qualifications as they gave up 10 threes. The third one was, can you stay calm under pressure? And I think Jaime Jaquez can answer that question for you. But I, I mentioned those keys to the game back on, actually I taped the episode the night before. So Tuesday night, or excuse me, Wednesday night, Wednesday night I taped my three keys to the game. I'm at the game and apparently great minds think alike because LA Times beat reporter Ben Bolch if you check his Twitter some of his keys to the game were just like mine limit Arizona State to eight threes or less and then he also mentioned limit Arizona State to 12 fast break points or less I said 15 he said 12 either way it was both on they were both underneath our our targets because only 10 points were given up. So good on both of us. Shameless self-promotion for both of us. All right, one quote that I wanted to bring up from Jaime Hawkes after the game, and we will certainly spend a bunch more time with more quotes as they came through in the post-game press conference from Mick Cronin and his players, but I did want to tackle one that caught my eye in particular, and it was Jaime Jaquez, fresh off, obviously, making the three-pointer that won the game for his team. He was asked about his belief in this team, his confidence in his team, even when times were tough at the beginning of the season, and now that they're sitting pretty, tied for first in the Pac-12 standings, did he have any doubts that this was not going to happen? Like, when the times were tough, was he thinking, you know, probably this turnaround, it's going to take longer. Anyway, he said, quote, we believed from the start this could happen when referencing this rapid rise from being a bottom feeder in college basketball to being first in the Pac-12 standings, going on to say, when we were losing games, we still believed just to do big things like this this is what we expected. The reason I believe Jaime when he says those words is because I think he was the first person to buy in when Mick Cronin took over. He was the, one of the first. I think David Singleton was one of the first guys as well. And so they were all into the teachings of Mick Cronin even when the wins weren't coming. And I can pretty much tell you that that was the case. And I, I, I don't even have to tell you. You already know because you could tell on the court, even when there were games where the Bruins at the beginning of the season where they were no match for their opponent or they were getting beat and it was ugly, 
Jaime Jaquez was always giving it 100% exertion out there. Like, he never quit, even when you could see other players do such things. He was always gung-ho, always going hard, and the rest of the team picked up on that from Jaime's lead. And now, look where they are in the lead in the Pac-12 standings. Appreciate you all checking out this Friday edition of Locked on Bruins. The Bruins have their final home game on Saturday against Arizona. The Wildcats lost to USC, so the Wildcats are going to be hungry. So are the Bruins, and we will have a full look at that game and all the particulars and details on Monday on a fresh edition of Locked on Bruins. Thank you all for your support. Tell your friends about this podcast. Have a great weekend. And as always, I'm Brian Fenley, and go Bruins.